Okay, let's get this latest show on the road. It's time for the playing music for the Midnight Skeptic. Here we go. You are listening to KPCA LP, Petaluma, California, at 103.3 FM and worldwide at www.kpca.fm and this is the Midnight Skeptic. The views of the Midnight Skeptic are not, repeat, not necessarily the views of KPCA or any of its affiliates. Okay, this is the Midnight Skeptic Show number 112. It'll be broadcast this Sunday on kpca.fm, 103.3 FM, locally and also worldwide, just kpca.fm. Listeners worldwide will get it. And then also I'm going to download this onto YouTube as soon as I get done Recording all this stuff. Okay, and today is Wednesday, March 15th uh, of this year. Oh, it's so good to be woke. It's so, (laughs) it's good to be woke in the morning. Imagine waking up woke from your nice warm bed, not angry, not hating any group of people wanting everyone to just live their lives according to uh, who be, uh, being who they want to be and uh, loving who they want to love. I mean, that to me would be a good world. Well, that's not the Republicans' view of how the world should be, and that's being woke. I, the Midnight Skeptic, am proudly woke and the midnight skeptics goal as always is quote doing my small part meaning this show uh, the goal is to rid this country of all GOP MAGA head Republicans so wokeness can be the ethos of this great land of ours. Okay, I need to make a clarification. Um, Lots of clarifications, but this one in particular. Okay, one of my relatives, who is a Republican, the nice kind, asked me recently if I call all Republicans who disagree with me MAGA heads? Well, the answer is no. Intelligent, thoughtful, non-hating Republicans that I can have a discussion about issues with are not MAGA heads. But I would encourage these kind of Republicans to join the Lincoln Project. I do have a few relatives, not many, but a few, and few friends 
not many, but a few, that are Republicans. I would disown my Republican relatives uh, if they were of the hate-filled MAGA kind. And I would not be friends with any acquaintances slash friends of the hate-filled MAGA kind. I just wouldn't associate with them. Nice Republicans, uh, well, are, well, they're nice. Okay, it's okay. But the uh, MAGA head base, you know, the red cap wearing uh, people that wear these red, white, and blue cowboy hats and jackets and uh, that show up at Trump rallies. They're not who I want to associate with, okay? That's who I'm trying to rid this country of, uh, in addition to uh, MAGA-head Republicans that, are, that have infected this country. <sighs> Unfortunately, most Republican politicians are MAGA-heads, as are the base. Okay, um, shout-outs. I'm not going to go into extensive uh, shout-outs today. Just the usual suspects internationally. You know who you are. And uh, Mickey Huff, I'll see you Thursday. If you happen to be listening into this show on YouTube, it would have to be YouTube. Uh, see you Thursday at the... Sebastiani Theater in Sonoma at 3 p.m. for, and I'm encouraging all my listeners and YouTube watchers to go there. Sonoma, the city of Sonoma, Sebastiani Theater, 3 o'clock for the 10-year anniversary of Project Censored, colon, the movie at the Sebastiani Theater, and uh, also, this is a double feature, um, the premiere of the new movie, United States of Distraction, colon, Fighting the Fake News. Okay. Um, quickie shout-out. John Crowley at the Aquas Cafe and Tom Gaffey, at the Phoenix Theater here in Petaluma. Plus, all the usual suspects all across this country, and uh, you know who you are. Uh, all right, this show will be a little bit different. It's kind of an autobiographical show. How my upbringing was... Um, kind of a window into the United States in the 1950s and 1960s uh, on my Facebook page where I put up a picture of myself in the KPCA studios and then a blurb about what the show's going to be, uh, I entitled this show Raised by racists okay 
and I'm not going to name any names of my relatives, just, you know, who they were who they were to me, mainly my grandparents who raised me um, until I was about seven years old, until my mom remarried, uh, and then my mom and dad and a couple of uncles, okay? It's about them and what I remember them saying and doing from the point of view of a little kid, I was, uh, you know, when my, well, I was born in 1943, and uh, I was a war baby, um, and certainly I don't remember everything that happened to me or everything that I heard, but certain things have stuck with me over the years, and... Uh, I don't want to say that they negatively affected me because you know I'm not uh, bitter. I'm, I, I think that I'm a pretty happy guy almost always. I like to laugh. Okay, anyway, let's get going on this. Okay, The Midnight Skeptic. Me, Dave Murphy. Okay, that's my real name. The Midnight Skeptic is my uh, alter ego, stage name, radio name, YouTube name, you know, whatever. Okay, I began life as a war baby. Not the Spanish-American War, but World War II. This is just for context. My mom had just finished her sophomore year at College of the Pacific in the bucolic town of Stockton, California, over in the Central Valley of this state, uh, California. My mom and my aunt, uh, who's a couple of years younger than her, um, and, and my aunt at that time was going to Stockton High School, um, were living with my grandparents. I call them Nana and Granddaddy. And it was a middle-class, small brick house in uh, Stockton over near Yosemite Park. Um, residents of Stockton will know where that is. I don't need to explain it. And uh, my grandfather was the Stockton station agent for the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Railroad. At the end of the summer vacation, 1942, Mom eloped with a young Army Air Corps sergeant. Now, we didn't have an Air Force at that time. Uh, the airplanes that we did fly for the war and for the military, it was called the Army Air Corps. And Stockton Field was an Air Force base during World War II. 
Um, today, Stockton is a, a mid-sized, uh, I guess you could say, international airport because it has big airlines flying into it. Okay, but at that time, it was Stockton Field. And uh, co-weds at the uh, College of Pacific, now it's University of Pacific, well, the co-eds like to go out and party and have a good time. And uh, my mom met this uh, Army Air Corps sergeant who was a good dancer. And uh, they fell in love. I have no idea how it happened, who did what to who. I, I don't know any of that. Um, but they eloped to Reno, Nevada. And hmm, nine months to the very day after their marriage, I popped out. <laughs> I imagine my grandparents were not very happy about all this. The marriage lasted uh, two years. Uh, Mom came back from Fort Deming, um, I think it's in... New Mexico, I think. Okay. Mom came back to live in Nan and Granddaddy's house. She went to work at AT&T, American Telephone and Telegraph, part of uh, the Bell System, which was lovingly called Ma Bell by the workers there. Um, you know, it's funny that you know, there's only one telephone company in the country, the Bell System. Okay, now we have all sorts of uh, phone companies, but back then, there was just one. If you wanted a telephone in your house, you called AT&T. Okay, uh, I'm off my notes again. Mom was the beautiful princess in the office. I don't know exactly what her job was there, but any guy who dated her realized that I, yours truly, was the curse that went along with her, a little kid, okay? You wanted her, I went with her. And... Um, Granddaddy, you know, a couple of years go by, and I'm four or five, maybe. Granddaddy would occasionally take me down with him to the Santa Fe passenger station where he worked. When the passenger trains would roll in, which was quite exciting for me as a little kid, um, the train crew, the engineers and conductors, were all white guys. I was too young and clueless to make much of this, but I remember. And the porters and the baggage handlers were all black. You know, I didn't understand the import of all that at the time. I was just a little kid, but I, but I do remember noticing that. Okay, they all called, the, the black guys, they all called my grandfather Mr. Arnold. 
the station agent. And he would call them all by their first names. Well, big deal. I, I didn't mean anything to me. My stepdad, he became my stepdad, who worked at AT&T also, uh, he dated my mom, and I have no idea how they hooked up or what it was between them. And when I was seven, they got married, and Dad wanted Nana, my grandmother, and granddaddy to continue raising me in their house. Nana would have none of it. So mom, dad, and I moved into a small, new, middle-class house in North Stockton. Returning GIs, soldiers from World War II, and their new families were the primary buyers in this new subdivision in the north of Stockton, north of uh, College of the Pacific and the, uh, I think it's the Calaveras River. Mom assumed her role as a homemaker, and she quit AT&T to be a homemaker, a wife, okay, a dutiful wife and mother, okay, and I started second grade at a new suburban grammar school, Lincoln School in North Stockton. It's still there. In fact, uh, one of my cousins uh, taught there until she retired, okay. Flip to a new page, which is entitled Early 1950s Continued. We got our first television, I think. I, I don't remember exact dates now, but uh, I think it was about 1951 or 1952. The shows I remember, Howdy Doody Time, it's howdy doody time. It's howdy doody time. Okay, that was one of them. Uh, Smiling Ed's gang uh, with uh, Midnight the Cat, Squeaky the Mouse, and Froggy the Gremlin. Hiya, kids! Hiya! Hiya! And then the audience of kids would say, Hi, Froggy! Okay, that was Smiling Ed's gang, Saturday morning. My grandparents, Nan and Granddaddy, would come over occasionally to watch TV in the evening with us. Okay, this is a background for Nana and Granddaddy. Nana was raised in a middle-class society in Texas, in the town near Dallas, and her parents, my great-grandparents, were fairly well-off, upper-middle-class, you might say, and they sent her and her younger sister to college in uh, Tennessee. I think it was... Tennessee, Tennessee State Normal College. Okay, 
really what it was was a finishing school for young women. And Granddaddy was from Alabama. He was one generation removed from Reconstruction. And I have in my possession his grandfather's army pistol. He was killed in the Civil War fighting for the Tennessee State Volunteers, a Confederate uh, group, okay? And I don't know, uh, and Granddaddy came from a somewhat lower-class Alabama stock. I mean, the South was devastated by the Civil War, and nobody was upper class anymore um, if they even had a house to go back to. Okay, uh, I don't know how he and Nana got hooked up, but he was uh, a career uh, railroader from way back for the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. Okay. And uh, that was his lifelong occupation, and he rose up through the ranks to eventually become station agent there in Stockton. Okay, back to television. In the evenings with my parents and uh, Nana and Granddaddy, I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show with my parents and grandparents. Um one evening, and I don't remember the year, but I remember Nana saying once, and I'm going to attempt here to kind of imitate her, um, and throughout this show, there's going to be cringe-worthy things that I'm going to be saying, but they are accurate, and I remember for sure, this being said, and the other things that I'll say. Um, and I can be accused of cherry-picking, which is true, but it's the memories of a little kid, eight or nine or ten years old. Okay, on the Ed Sullivan Show, there was a singer, and I don't remember who it was, but she was black, and um, singing a popular song. And uh, I remember Nana sing once. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Why, she's a nigra. I, I didn't know what that meant or why she sounded upset about that. I don't know. Um, I don't remember the black female singer, but on his show, Ed Sullivan would always give female singers of, of any race a hug on stage and sometimes a, a little peck on the cheek. The switchboard at Southern CBS TV stations would always light up in outrage when Ed Sullivan did this, okay? And I didn't know what 
then, but I've subsequently read about the struggles of American television with uh, even having blacks on a show for broadcast uh, in the South. It was a it was an ordeal. It was something that television executives had to take into account. Mm. And okay. I was about eight or nine in the back seat of my grandparents' car. We were riding through South Stockton in the afternoon one weekend, and there was a, uh, a swimming pool down there in South Stockton in a city park where a whole bunch of um, black little kids were playing. And uh, for no reason... Granddaddy said, and he was kind of half-joking, but he said this, and I remember it. Just look at all that alligator bait. Ooh. Okay. He said that. I'm repeating it. And uh, that's the way things were. I wasn't outraged. I was just a little kid. I didn't know exactly the import of that or what it really meant. Um, I was just a little kid, but for some reason, that phrase stuck with me. Okay? Now, I am not a liberal, progressive, politically correct snowflake. That's just the mindset of people in the United States, uh, especially those of Southern backgrounds. Uh, you'll not find any uh, so-called white guilt in me. No, I'm not. I recognize and know that that's just the way things were back then. Okay? Um so, uh, not me. I'm not guilty about anything. I am who I am. This is my background. You're welcome to it. By today's standards, that was cringeworthy. Of course it was, but I'm not guilty about it. Okay. Uh, Granddaddy also had worked his way up. Two, 33rd degree Freemason. The import of this is lost on me. I don't know anything about the Freemasons, really. I was in Demolay for one year. I'm not a organizational joining type guy. But anyway, it was a big deal to him. Uh, the Freemasons were sort of his alternative family. Okay, another page. Uh, American Telephone and Telegraph, or Ma Bell, transferred my dad up to an office in Sonora, California. Our new, bigger house that was under construction uh, in more northerly Stockton, uh, a newer subdivision, a little bit bigger house. It was almost finished, but not quite. 
uh, it had to be sold. A black couple called. I really don't know the details of this, but I was, I think, 11 because when I finally uh, started going to Sonora Grammar School, it was seventh grade. So it must have been in sixth grade that uh, um, this incident happened. Okay, uh, 11 years old. The husband of this black couple that called us wanting to buy our house, he had just gotten a faculty position at College of the Pacific. They were turned down. We turned them down. We, meaning my mom and dad. And uh, like I say, what do I know? I was a little kid. I didn't know from real estate. Um, uh, I don't know why they didn't go through a broker or real estate salesman. But anyway, it was a phone deal attempted with my mom and dad. And they didn't sell the house to them. Of this episode, I just remember my mom saying to me, quote, we just couldn't do this to our neighbors. Okay, today I see that as shifting the blame. Oh, we're not racists. Uh, our neighbors are. Yeah, okay. I'm not guilty about that either. I need a sip here. This is a coffee and Irish cream. Well, two days from now is St. Patrick's Day. That's my excuse. Okay. I don't know why my mom was even saying that to me. I was too young to know my ass from a hole in the ground. Okay. Again, the real import of this was totally lost on me, the clueless kid. I also remember that very occasionally, that upon seeing an unusually dark black guy on TV, she would say, and again, boy, he's as black as the ace of spades. Again, cringeworthy, but I remember her saying that on a couple of occasions. Now, I loved my mom. I still love the memory of her, and she was not a mean person. She was, by the standards of her day, um, kind and fairly liberal, um, again, for her time, late 50s, 60s. Okay, definitely, as I become aware of social changes in the United States, which is um, in my late 20s and 30s, you know, I'm kind of a late developer as far as awareness, not just social and politically, but in all aspects of life. Awareness was not my strong suit. Okay, I'm off my notes. In my late 20s and 30s, she was a trapped housewife. 
Uh, Betty Friedan wrote uh, The Feminine Mystique back in those days. And uh, uh, now, and, you know, a couple of decades before now, looking back on life with mom and dad, I appreciate the trapped feeling that mom had. Okay. My dad, he advanced with Ma Bell, American Telephone and Telegraph, as much as he was going to without a college degree. I heard him use the phrases, quote-unquote, young hotshots, all right, and, quote, college kids they put into management, unquote. Okay, you know what he mean by that. Uh, much later, much later, I realized what disappointments and resentments he probably felt, not directly about these young college kids put into management positions over him, but just general uh, resentment that, well, he didn't go to college and get a degree that everybody kind of needs now for no particular reason, but that's another story, okay? And he was a smart enough guy. He was an engineer uh, for AT&T. I mean, he could have gone to college and gotten a degree if life went along that pathway. Okay, I'm off my notes again. Okay. Much later, disappointment, resentment he felt. By any measure... Given his background and World War II, which affected the whole country, he was a success. Married, raising a family, having a nice house in the suburbs. Okay. Uh, we were middle class, borderline upper middle class. Okay. <sighs> One afternoon... Mom and Dad and I riding in the back seat, and I don't remember how old I was, 10, 11, maybe 12, I don't know. Uh, I was probably a freshman or junior in high school. So this would have been 1958 or 59. We were driving in South Stockton. This... Um, overweight black lady with, as I remember it, sort of a raggedy clothes and threadbare coat was just ambling down the sidewalk uh, there in South Stockton. And for no reason, Dad looked at Mom and said, there goes our equal. Oh, again, cringe. But at the time, I don't know why he said it. I didn't detect any real anger in his voice, although I imagine it was there. And later, I remember Dad commenting on Martin Luther 
King Jr. Now, this had to be late 50s, early 60s. And what he commented about on, and I don't remember this exact quote, but he said something to the effect that Martin Luther King Jr. was stirring up all that trouble down south. Okay. Uh, now, uh, in 1967, now we're cutting ahead a few years. Um, I was out of the Navy, and uh, I guess, well, when I got out of the Navy, I worked briefly for the Southern Pacific Railroad. I'm a railroad guy myself, but uh, I decided that, geez, I've got to go back to college and get a degree. So I went to Stockton to uh, San Joaquin Delta Junior College just to make up some units um, that I blew going to... UC, uh, right out of high school. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, so that's a whole nother story. But yeah, I was back in Stockton and college, no, University of the Pacific by this time was playing UCLA in the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament. Okay, and uh, so I looked this up and it was 1967. Uh, University of Pacific had a pretty good basketball team at that time. But UCLA had Lou Alcindor, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is what he later changed his name to. Anyway, and uh, I remember... And we were sitting around the living room watching my aunt and uncle's TV. And uh, he, he didn't shout this or say it particularly loudly, but he, uh, and it wasn't a mutter under his breath either. He said this, and we all heard it, um, calling Lou Alcindor that black freak. Okay, he's referring to Lou Alcindor. And uh, the final score was um, UCLA 80, University of Pacific 64. You could look it up. Okay, new page. Okay. My aunt's husband, my uncle, um, who I have very fond memories of due to his weird humor and his joking and his artistic abilities was a telephone installer and a lineman for American Telephone and Telegraph. We were all sort of a Ma Bell family. Uh, my aunt, my mom's younger teacher, was my mom's younger sister was a teacher there in Stockton. Okay. Uh, he kept the whole family and laughing. This, this is my uncle, who I love dearly, was a complete homophobic. 
he would make disparaging comments about any guy who displayed the least bit of feminine traits or dressed somewhat colorful garb. And my dad's younger brother, um, he was also with AT&T. And his wife and son and daughter moved into a house in suburban North Stockton. Uh, and we would visit them quite frequently. Uh, we were living in Sonora at this time. Okay, there were two middle-aged women who bought a house together just down the street from them. Well, Uncle H would uh, always make a snide comment about those two lezzies women probably sleeping together. It made him sick. I heard him use the black as the ace of spades comment also. That's the way things were back in those days. Okay. Whew. Okay. Am I cherry-picking events and events and sayings from my past? Of course I am. But I don't remember everything like it's a... I can play back the videotape of my whole childhood. There's just these odds and ends that I remember. And they were not all bad. Not even most of them were bad. But these events and sayings, for some reason, just stuck with me. And I didn't connect the dots. I didn't make some grand... Uh, sociological observation about life in the United States in the 50s and 60s, I accept it now that that's just the way things were. I'm glad they're changing. Okay. I'm off my notes yet again. Okay. But as a uh, pretty much clueless kid, only some of the past stuck in my mind. There were lots of good, loving events that happened to me growing up. I had pretty much a nice, decent family upbringing for the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, by the time the 70s rolled around, I was off working and attempting to find myself and um, taking other college classes. That's what the U.S. was like then. I'm glad it's changing for the better, despite MAGA heads. Um, it's changing in increments. There's all sorts of liberal progressive slash socialist groups that want the country to change faster. And yeah, that would be good. But it's not going to if it changes for the better in increments. That's good. Okay. And the Midnight Skeptic, me, uh, again, I'm doing my very, very small part to help through this broadcast 
help to rid this country of GOP, MAGA-head, Republican politicians and their stupid base, their Trump-worshipping stupid base. Okay, again, let me reiterate, MAGA-heads... I, I don't have any relatives, even though they're the Republicans, that are MAGA heads. I don't have any friends that are Republicans that are also MAGA heads. Uh, they would not be my friends if they really were, okay? Okay, where am I? I'm off my notes. Uh, I'm off my notes. As a private tutor, okay, uh, when my wife and I moved to Petaluma from San Francisco, um, my wife started uh, helping some of the neighborhood kids with their reading and arithmetic. And, uh, and I got involved. I won't go into that whole story, but I got involved in the late... Uh, who 1980s, early 90s. And um, so I've been um, privately tutoring since then, till now. Yesterday I had a student, and um, uh, my wife passed away in 2013. So uh, I liked doing the tutoring, so I kept the business alive. Um, I business, I say laughingly, because it's a uh, sole proprietorship. And it's just me, and uh, I don't go chasing business. They call me up if uh, the parents, if one of their kids needs some math tutoring. Okay, another story. Uh, we came from San Francisco. Okay, as a private tutor here in Petaluma, uh, mainly high school and middle school, and mostly from 1989 to now, I've seen the coming out, so to speak, of the LGBTQ community. I remember the puppy episode of The Ellen Show, where she came out as lesbian. I remember when we were still living in San Francisco, even before I married her, the... Uh, Gay Freedom Day parades that were growing in popularity in San Francisco. And uh, they call them the Pride Parade now. Uh, and it was growing in attendance. And unfortunately, it's become quite uh, corporatized. I also remember some long-ago baseball fan commenting on cringe alert rigs jigs because the manager of the San Francisco Giants at that time that it was said was Bill Rigney and there were a lot of black players on the Giants and um, I'm not sure what jigs is short for I think jigaboos maybe that was a epithet uh, for black guys. Okay, Bill Rigney starting so many black players. Okay, I also remember 
Finocchio's. Okay, they were an upstairs nightclub in North Beach uh, where female impersonators entertained tourists from the Midwest. And uh, nowadays, with the, the hateful GOP MAGA heads, would that ever go anywhere except maybe San Francisco? Okay, the place was called Finocchio's, which is Italian for fairies. I went there once, just on my own, and they were quite talented. Most of them lip-synced, but there were a few that actually sung themselves. They were talented singers. Okay, that's it. The Midnight Skeptic's childhood or early childhood. How much time? Okay, there. I got cut off last week, and uh, I was not able to finish. Uh, okay, so I'll make up for it now. I've got about eight or nine minutes to go here. And this is from last week. Okay, continuing good news. U.S. church membership falls below 50% for the first time. Yay! In 2020, 47% of U.S. adults belonged to a church, a synagogue, or mosque. Down more than 20% from the turn of the century, that is, the year 2000. And this is according to the Gallup poll. This is a generational change. 30%, 36% of millennials, uh, which were born between 1981 and 1996, belong to a church. Generation Z is uh, trending downward as well. Yay, American youth. Let's get rid of religion. Okay, another topic. At the CPAC conference, that MAGA-head gathering of hate, the most frequently used word was woke. Now, I got to remind you, I, the Midnight Skeptic, am proudly woke. Okay, but no GOP MAGA head Republican can define it. It's just a catch-all term for everything that hateful MAGA heads dislike. It's become a word salad grievance term for everything MAGAs don't like. The Moms for Liberty, which is a hate group, um, their ex-director, Marie Rogerson, capital R-O-G-E-R-S-O-N, said, okay, and this is a quote from her, it's anything that's anti-American, anti-common sense, anti-reality, in the sense of Education, what education was meant to be. Mm. Okay, 
Um, I wrote in my notes here, riff, R-I-F-F, meaning I should just talk off the top of my head about it, but I can't. Okay, uh, I'm running out of time. Okay, New Zealand, bad news. Chris Hipkins, he's um, the former minister of education there in New Zealand. He's now the prime minister since uh, Jacinda A. Ardern's stepped down. She was a great leader for New Zealand, but I think she's suffered a bit of burnout. Okay, anyway, uh, Chris Hipkins has directed New Zealand science classes must include quote unquote Maori ways of knowing. And um, this is a Maori word here. Matu, mata uranga Maori and give the Maori way of knowing equal standing to science. This is, of course, nonsense and misguided virtue signaling. Traditional environmental knowledge, plants that heal, cultivation, fishing, etc., can have value if it's scientifically investigated. There's probably plenty of plants that have some healing features to them. Just check them out with uh, uh, clinical studies. I mean, that applies to the same thing here. We don't go to, um, oh, Indian tribal plant knowledge and just willy-nilly start, e start eating these things to heal headaches or heart attacks or anything. They might work, but check them out scientifically. Okay, Chris Hipkins, are you listening? All right. More bad news from Ron DeFascists. Florida. If you blog in Florida about the governor, de, de fascist, or any GOP MAGA head, you may have to register with the state of Florida. Okay, and lest you think I'm making this up, it's Florida Senate Bill 1316. Okay, I'm going to end this with good news. Um, Hansel Emmanuel, who's age 19, who lost an arm in a childhood accident in his home country of the Dominican Republic, has made the Northwestern State basketball team. It is an NCAA Division I level team. Emmanuel is treated as just another teammate by the coach, who is Corey Gibson. He is, uh, this is uh, Hansel Emanuel. He is six foot six, and he can jump uh, just like Jonathan Kuminga of the Warriors can. Uh, his flashy dunks, passes, and uh, three-point shots, one-handed, they have to be, 
have gone viral on uh, the internet. Uh, North Northwestern State is in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Okay, God. Good timing. It's uh, 56 minutes. Enough time for my play out music. You have been listening to The Midnight Skeptic on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. And we're at 103.3 on the FM dial and worldwide at www.kpca.fm. Support community radio at patreon.com slash Petaluma Community Access. And remember, think critically, think logically, but live joyously and, most importantly, pet your cats. Okay, I've uh, got about two and a half more blank pages in my notebook here. Uh, that's f enough for next week's show. And then I have to eh, buy a new notebook. All right. Um, and I'll be recording next week's show um, oh, sometime around the first of Ramadan, you know, the 22nd or 23rd, for broadcast on the 26th, which is Sunday uh, at the usual time. Uh, 9 p.m. kpca.fm and then uh, YouTube as soon as I can do it. This show will be up on YouTube today, probably tonight, okay? So until next week, this is the Midnight Skeptic and uh, I'll be back to a regular type of show uh, for next week. Remember, pet your cats. All right? Hmm.